Hello, my name is Federico Toledo and welcome to the Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. In each show, I'll have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them discussing specific topics related to software testing and quality. This is the second part of my interview with Rob Saborin, where we were discussing how to do testing under pressure. Rob is sharing with us some principles related to his methodology, just-in-time testing, which is very useful for this type of situations. Let's listen to what uh, he has to share with us. Third one? Third one. Decision-making workflows. I, I like to know how people are going to decide. Now, specifically for testing, there's, there's three of them. How do you decide... What requirements matter? How do you decide what bugs matter? How do you decide what tests matter? Now, this is something that is individual to every company, whether you're agile or not, or whatever methods you have, and, and whatever the project you're working on, there's going to be different ways that you're going to make decisions about things. Before I start testing, I want to know how they decided that this requirement was important. I want to know how it was decided. Not just that it was, I don't want to just the result of the decision. I want to know how they came to their decision. Because I want to know the reasoning behind it. Because when I have a question, when, I have, when I'm learning, I'm not going to be able to go back to a, a book and say, what's the answer? And look it up in some sort of the Bible of requirements. I, I'm going to have to sort of figure out a lot of things myself. And knowing the thinking behind, well, this is important because it's related to Uh, this database, which is being changed from an old version to a new version, and therefore I know the reasoning for the prioritization, therefore I can use that to guide me. So I want to know the reason for prioritizing requirements. Even though testing is not about prioritizing requirements, if I know why this requirement is important, that helps me. It's not just, I know it's important. I know in Agile they say that the product owner prioritizes things. I want to know why this is important. Like, yes, this is high priority, I'm going to do it, okay, but why is this high priority and that one low priority? I want to know that. This also helps you to, to have a visibility of the purpose, right? Is it connected to the first point? Because if you try to understand the decision-making process, you also understand the, the, the motivation for making those decisions, right? In a good company, in a healthy company, yes. But sometimes you're in a chaotic company that's, that's changing. And so there's a business purpose of it that's not always reflected in the decision workflow. So you, you have to watch it. When you find a conflict, you found the best bug of your life, right? When you find the workflow is working against the purpose, you win. Like that's the prize for tester to find that, you know, because you're working at cross purposes and you can find bugs like that. So yes, in a good company, the, 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 the workflows derived from the purpose. Uh, it, I find that a lot of companies, the workflows derive sometimes from history, from we've always done it that way, and there's a, a, an inertia to, to continue with, with the process. And also politics comes into play. Sometimes, uh, like if I ask you the question, who decides when you close a bug? Who decides when you close a bug? Now, you might think that you'll, you'll tell me the answer. Uh, it's the tester who found it 
that closes the bug. Okay, fine. Well, that means that the tester who found it is the most important part of your project team because you can't ship it unless you close the bug. And the decision to make that closing of the bug is the, is the ultimate decision for, for shipping. And I would like to suggest that in a, in a healthy workflow, you probably have a pair of people involved in that decision, <laughs> one person. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's like very important to sort of understand how the decisions are going to be made. And if, they, if you know how they're made, then you can use um, the, the decision process, if you will, as a guide. And this is real people now. Literally, if I know how requirements are prioritized, how, how tests are prioritized, how bugs are prioritized, I could actually have a Slack channel open while I'm testing and contact the person who is the key decision maker about the requirements when I have a question when I'm in the middle of testing a feature. And that's the guy I want to know uh, to know if this element of it had any bearing to why it's important or not. And, and if I know how the decision is made, I can do that. If I don't know, I'm in a black box. And so I want to, I want to see and, and have access to these people. And there's no, again, there's no one who's paid to do this. The tester for me has to learn about this stuff. Also, also understanding uh, who is going to make the decision and why uh, gives you more guidance in order to provide the, the correct information for this person to make the best decision uh, he can. Exactly. Yeah. And, you're, and that's what I get to feedback, right? Because testing is providing feedback to people to help make a decision to ship or not ship. Really, ultimately, that's what it seems to be. I, again, maybe you're just testing for fun or maybe you're testing yeah. academically. I think I'm testing usually because we have to get something out the door. <laughs> yeah. Feedback to people saying, hey, is it, is it good enough to do that? So it, it's certainly uh, for me, uh, if, if I'm working under turbulence, I don't have time to go and find some procedure that someone wrote that has 18 pages of steps to go through. I've got to talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the three things, again, it's not just requirements, requirements, tests, and bugs. And this could be, It could be the same guys, like some guys have, uh, some companies have the, the three amigo concept. So if you have a three amigo team, maybe that's the team that does all this stuff. Uh, maybe you have a, a, the requirements is totally business function. And so you have someone there who doesn't even know what testing is that, that might be able to guide you. Uh, certainly people who make these decisions might not even be aware of how that could help you. Cool. So that's the decision-making workflows. If we know that, we can sort of use it. And what I want to do is I want to triage. So I'm testing under pressure. Imagine you're testing under pressure. You're sitting at home. <laughs> your kids are screaming. <laughs> they gave you a build. They want to ship. They want to deploy that build at 3 in the afternoon. It's 12.15. What do, you, what do you do? What do you do? So I said, okay, I know the purpose of the project. Yes, I know the context factors. I'll double-check the context factors. Or dive too deep, double check. Am I in sync with the context? Okay, I'm in sync with the context. I know the requirements and how it was prioritized. Now I'm going to think of as many relevant in scope test ideas as I can. I'm not going to start testing the first thing I think of. I'm going to try to identify a rich set of testing ideas. Myself personally, I can sit there and in about four or five minutes, come up with easily 20, 30 testing ideas that are all possible starting points that are all things that I might want to test. I want to think of more 
types of testing ideas than I will ever be able to do. I want to think of ideas about capabilities, about failure modes, about quality factors, about usage scenarios. I want to use creative ideas, look at cross-feature interference. I want to look at white box things, black box things. I want to, I have a whole catalog of types of ideas I want to find. So I, I collect a list and this list to me, it's like uh, I use uh, very often colored index cards. I always walk around. If you see me at conferences, I have thousands of these index cards with me, not hundreds, thousands of them. And I, I put one idea per card and I sort of shuffle them out and look at them. And then I try to take those ideas I have and triage them very quickly. Triage is a decision-making process where I'm going to look at every single test idea I came up with. And there's no wrong ideas. I want them in scope related to the purpose, right? I want them to help, but I don't, there's no wrong ideas. I go through them and then I ask for each idea, what's the benefit of doing it and the consequence of not doing it? The benefit of doing it usually is learning something that helps us know if we're on purpose. That's the benefit. The consequence could be opportunity, time, money, cost, uh, even even a consequence could be uh, if we know that we had a can of worms, we're going to get dive into something that we don't want to dive into. For each one of my ideas, I try to guesstimate the the basically impact and consequence, and I want to find from that deck of cards, one of them will bubble up to the top. <laughs> one of them will be more important than the other ones. That's what I'm going to start with, and. I'm going to deal with that one for a bit, for a while, as I learn about that one. Then I will take, now, what is your sampling rate? It depends on this. If I start at 12.15, I have to ship it at 3. I probably give it about 15 minutes. And then I'll say, what did I learn in these 15 minutes? Did I learn enough? Should I go deeper? Uh, yeah, am I using tools? Am I automating? What am I doing? And, and I might change what I want to do because as I test, I get new ideas. So what I ask while you're testing is to look for new ideas. If someone gives you one little feature and says, we made a change to this feature, we're going to ship it, what do you test? Well, I start, I make a list of testing ideas. Some are related to that feature, but some are cross-functional interference. And I, I have these ideas. I prioritize them myself. It's my business. It's my ideas. There's no wrong ideas, but you can't test everything. You choose the one that you feel as the best, the best value with the least consequence, and you move on. You do, do you work on that? You look, what did you learn after a period of time? You, you know that you can go forever, so you have to stop. You time box. I like to time box myself using session-based testing uh, at about 90 minutes. But if I'm talking about, you're talking about something like it has to be shipped in an hour, <laughs> you, you talk shorter than that. Do you repeat this triage every 90 minutes or every no. after each card? Actually, if I'm under pressure, like I just described, and so I have, I have like three hours before they want to ship. Okay, so this, this, this one, I would every time I'm going to sample it, I'm going to review my ideas because as I learn, as I learn, my view of what's important changes. And some ideas I found before it become more important, some become less important, and I add new ideas. So you just think about, about this, like having the, the cards in your pocket here, right? 
And as you go, you get a new ID, you write it on a card, put it in your pocket. Then every so many minutes, 20 minutes, a buzzer goes off, you stop, you take a look at what you learned, you look at the pockets, and maybe the best thing to do is to continue, right? Or maybe now, because you learned something different, the best thing to do is to move to something different. And if you're not alone on the project, you wanna share this information with people. So you wanna, every, every time you sample it, you don't keep the information private, you share it. You, you tell your stakeholders, okay, this claim we've demonstrated it's true. Uh, there's some, we think there might be some flakiness in this area. You can, you can share that information. If you keep it to yourself, it's useless, right? You have to share it. And so when I'm, when I'm stopping, I'm, make sure I share the information, make sure I review what I should be doing. Should I continue or move on? Now, if it's not a crisis like that, you're still testing under pressure, but you have a few days, sample at more like 90 minutes is what I would recommend. And they call that a session, a testing session. Yeah. About 90 minutes uninterrupted testing on one, uh, one goal. And don't be afraid to change direction. Yeah, actually. So this is triage. And I say ruthless triage. Ruthless triage. It's, it's, it's tough, but you got to do it because you can't test everything. This now also means that I expect people are able to do exploratory testing, to use tools to help them to, to choose test data. Uh, I don't necessarily say you want to automate on the fly, but if you've got tools, maybe you can do data-driven test automation and scripting to help you uh, to, to get things done. I certainly... I'm not building uh, regression test suites when I'm doing this. I'm building test tools to help me, but they're only good now. Like they might not, next week they might not work anymore, but now they're helping me. So this is called like good enough test automation. Uh, and I'm, I'm basically, ex I'm, I'm dealing with reality. I'm sort of saying, I can't test everything, but at least I'm going to test the most important things, which have the most value. And I'm going to share that as I go and just keep at it. I'll never finish everything, but after a couple of hours, if, if I'm doing every 20 minutes, that's six, I have six of my test ideas that I've exercised, I've tried them out, I've learned about it, I may have found some important bugs. If I didn't find bugs, I might have certain confidence that the behavior is acceptable, and you move on. But it's, it's, that's what ruthless triage is all about. A question that comes to my mind, comes to my mind it's uh, what happens when you, when you are in in a team of testers, when how how do you uh, manage or distribute the task? Because I, I think that two different scenarios, like right. so, doing, doing the triage together, uh, maybe, yeah. or or dividing in, in different components. Right. Working in deep. In like the COVID example I gave was if you're on your own. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's on your own. If if you have a test lead, uh, or a test, but like an agile team. You'd have a bucket of tests, like a, a backlog of, of test ideas. And this backlog would be just prioritized periodically. Uh, in Scrum, the natural thing would be to prioritize it daily. So every day you just take a look and you say, uh, what ideas are, are still important, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And then we add new ideas as we test. We take out ideas if they become out of scope. But once a day, you sample that, that list. And the whole team then, when they're doing test uh, activities, or test uh, charters, uh, they'll take the highest priority ones off of that, that backlog. And of course, talking about only ones that you can do. Don't forget that in, if you're doing Scrum, uh, if a programmer hasn't checked in the code, it might be too early to do certain types of tests, even though you know it's the most important one. So I, I, you, have to be, you have to not just prioritize based on the impact, but also based on uh, dependencies. And the dependency 
sometimes has to do with the technical work other team members are doing. Yeah. Like I, I would, I would argue, uh, and I know you have a lot of experience in, in uh, non-functional testing, performance testing, and you would, you would probably say, even if performance testing is the most important test with the best benefit, I wouldn't do it until I can prove the functionality works or, or I could yeah. demonstrate functionality works. And therefore you, you would say that uh, perhaps the, the priority should be, let's do a couple of, of uh, sessions of functional testing before we do a session of performance testing, right? So that's, that's like a technical dependency. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you want to be aware of that. Don't start doing it before it's able to be done. <laughs> then it's wasteful. I've seen people do this. I've seen people go and take performance testing on something that has functional bugs in it and when the functional bugs are fixed, the performance is totally different. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you change the, the way you... Uh, Query a database or something. Yes, exactly. I was yeah. going to say that the example because it... it that I mean, you can me change, once. Your, change your cache by like 10% and <laughs> the, yeah. the whole world is different from performance perspective. I don't want to say performance testing isn't important. I'm just saying that sometimes in a team... Uh, you'll have activities that are charters that come up in your triage. They bubble to the top, but there's a dependency. So we want to be aware of that. We, we yeah, want to be sure. I'd like to thank my team, Abstracta, for sponsoring and helping me to create this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your products and processes to the next level. That's my ruthless triage, but there's one more. Always know the last best build. I learned this so long ago, and it's it's been part of my uh, DNA. It's, it's part of my DNA. I have, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm testing, I realize when I'm testing under pressure, there's often a time limit, right? There's a, there's a, a time they say, Rob, we have to ship at three. And I say, are you going to ship at three? Yes, we're going to ship at three. Okay. Let me help you decide what to ship at three. And that's the last best build. So as I'm testing, while I'm testing, I know that we're under the gun. I know that there's a crisis that we have to hit a date. And what I'm getting to test has different strengths and weaknesses. And every build is different. And what I find many testers are, are inclined to do, which is a, is a bad practice in my opinion, is to take a build from the programmers a few minutes before shipment. And they say, we've only changed one thing. <laughs> You try to test that thing, and then you deploy it, and the whole world collapses. And I, I prefer to look at this thing while I'm testing. I'm always testing different builds, always. And what I want to know anytime, anytime during the whole project, what's the best build? So if I had to ship now, I would say, ship the builds from last Tuesday. That's the last best build. The most recent build is rarely the last best build. Sometimes it is. Sometimes the most recent build is the last best build, but very often it's a build of a couple of days ago. And it's interesting. People sort of say, well, wait a sec. The developers weren't finished programming. He said, no, but you know what? The bugs we know are sometimes easier to deal with than the bugs we don't know, right? The problems we know are different than problems we don't know. If you have a long project, the last best build is really cool because you can present to management periodically 
hey, if we ship today, here's what would be working for the customers. And management gets really excited and say, what, we can ship early? I said, no. I said, if you ship today, this is what you get. And you can make dashboards that represent that, that show people what, if, if we ship now, what we're confident in, what we're not confident in. And of course, if you're using an appropriate architecture, like microservice architecture, you can actually have confidence in some services that are very, very strong, even though other services you don't know about. And so if you can tie this then to the, the what, are, what are called, um, it's like the expectations or claims people make about the product and say, okay, you made these 50 claims, these 40 of them we can say are true in this build, but we can't say it about the build afterwards. Now people like this notion of getting knowledge that, hey, you could actually ship early if you had to. And this is the last best build. So instead of working with the pressure and time squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and squeezing, you're just saying, hey, I have a list of all these builds for the last five days. We did 14 builds and you rank them. This is the last best build. So if I have to ship now, at least I always have something I can ship. Yeah. This is something that the whole team should be like paying attention to do a, a correct it's, a version management, right? It's This is more a team thing too. It's, it's more a team thing. Uh, I've seen it done beautifully at, at some very famous companies in, in history. Uh, there's banks in the United Kingdom that do this all the time. Uh, there's network management companies that I've seen do this. And it's just a very practical way to turn around the whole software engineering and sort of saying, instead of, you know, killing yourself to squeeze everything into the last day, you say, okay, well, we're going to ship the best we can at that time. And hopefully the best one you have is relatively recent and has a really reasonable set of features that meet the needs of your business. Bro, I think I could continue talking with you for hours. <laughs> hours. Hours. I love talking to you about testing stuff. <laughs> But uh, in order to wrap up this uh, interview yep. maybe we can we could continue in a, in a, in in a second interview uh, yeah, maybe a different subject yeah but um i, I have a couple of uh, final questions one is related to um, well I, i can see behind you <laughs> that you have a lot of books uh, mm -hmm. so um, do you have any recommendation for listeners to pay attention to any specific book that yeah i have i have so if there's if if you ask the question what is the one book that i think that people who are starting in the field would benefit the most from uh, i would start with the book raving raving fans by ken blanchard uh, raving fans is a management book it's not a testing book mm -hmm told in parable style. So teaching by storytelling, which I love that approach. And it's, it's about trying to do your job so that the people who benefit from your work are a fan of your work. They become your, your, your biggest fans. Like, a, like, like if you were a superstar, they're your fans. They love your work. And it shows how to look at your job as a service and to, and to basically deliver that service in a way that people who are your stakeholders uh, really benefit from, from it. And in testing, this works beautifully in many different contexts. The style of testing, it's called service-oriented testing. It works in any life cycle. It doesn't care about life cycles. And it helps people basically to focus on what matters and to, to help their customers out, uh, perhaps exceeding expectations a bit and building consistency in that. 
So Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard is, is the book I would suggest. Of course, I've got many, many technical books on testing, and that probably depends on what space you're in. Learn as much about test design as you can. So if it's technical books of test design, if you've never read one, uh, read Lee Copeland's A Practitioner's Guide to Test Design. That's my uh, starting point for people in test design. That's a book that's, again, technology independent, life cycle independent, but it teaches about 14 different test design techniques, which I urge everybody in our field to master. I don't mean just know them. I mean, master them. <laughs> Testing under pressure. You don't have time to perfect a skill, right? You, you got you to be able to do it. Cool. Excellent. And the last, the last question. Um, I really believe that you can change a lot of your results by changing small things that you do many times, like the, the habits that, you, that we have. So do you have any habits you will recommend people to, to adopt or to avoid? <laughs> well, I, 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 there's a lot of them. And I think thematically today, I, I was talking a lot about uh, proactive learning uh, about things. And there's, there's certain habits in, in learning that um, I've, I've picked up uh, over the years. <clears throat> uh, one is uh, I really want you to take pride in your ignorance, like honor, honor ignorance. It, it's important to, to be able to have an open mind and not prejudice things with, with biases. And so, so I would say that the habit would be to, to really not be afraid to be walk into something and be ignorant about it and learning and applying knowledge and don't bias things. Uh, so the habit I have, for example, is when I'm learning from someone, this is, this is a habit that, uh, that I like to use, uh, is I will basically never use Uh, the name of an object, unless they use that name of an object. So don't, I'm not going to force my terminology on someone else. I'm going to learn, build on their terminology. And in terms of testing stuff, when I'm describing what I'm going to do for testing, I, I try to avoid as much as possible to use the word test as a verb. And this is, this is a habit that's hard to get into for testers because a lot of people say, well, I'm going to test this feature. And did you test that feature? And you have this word test everywhere. And the word test means nothing to anybody except you. Instead of talking about testing, talk about what you're going to learn. I want to study the behavior of the system as I vary this parameter in this context. I want to study the performance as I vary the load. I want to study the business rules if I vary the customer type. I want to study. I want to learn. I want to explore risks and express them in a way that aren't just saying, I want to test this or test that. Now, maybe among testers, between your, your, own, your own peers, you can use whatever terminology you want. But when you're, ex when you're going outside of the sphere of people who have studied the craft of testing, I think it's very important to um, avoid using the word test as a verb. That, that will be very challenging for me. You know? <laughs> it's challenging for everybody. I, 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 I have to do it deliberately, but, but I can. Uh, and it's a habit. It's not, it's not going to happen But what, what's in, interesting is you're, now you're going to get rid of this, this abstraction layer and really talk about what matters to the business or what matters to the technology. Uh, and, and believe me, if you say, I'm going to test this feature, and I say I'm going to test this feature, that means two totally different things. Yeah. So instead, let's talk about what, we're gonna, what we want to learn about. I want to learn 
if this function behaves this way so that this customer can use it for this purpose. Okay, that's very specific. I can do that. And when I give you information, you know what I'm giving you information on. It's not some abstract list of pass-fail check marks in a dashboard, right? It's knowledge that, that's expressed in a way that is actionable. He's trying to, to change the, the assumptions about you, what we you, understand. I get, I get passionate about stuff like this. But, <laughs> but it's hard to do. So you're, you're asking me about habits. It is hard. It, it's hard to do. But it's yeah. making a huge difference. Totally. Very interesting. Thank you so much, Rob. Uh, one last thing. Uh, do, sure. you, do you have uh, anything you want uh, our listeners to do? Access your site uh, or well i don't really um i don't really have um how can i put it resources that i make publicly available but i share with everybody all, all the things that i do as you know uh and i think that uh if somehow you can share my uh, email address yeah sure and i have an article on um, the, the subject of today's talk that i'm happy to share a pdf of it I have resources uh, related to this, uh, this field of just time testing in the Dropbox form that I can share. So email is the best way. Robsab at gmail.com is the address. I don't have a sort of slide or something here to, to share it. but Okay. And if anybody listening has any questions or stuff, they feel should feel very welcome to, to just zap me an email and uh, I'd be happy to give them more insights into these different principles and ideas. I really enjoyed this conversation and as i said i think i could continue for hours uh yeah. so we will let's in the do future. It again. yeah for sure thank you so much ro uh honor honor um stay safe okay you too stay safe <laughs> i hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to quality sense podcast Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios, amigos.